you're joining us for worship, uh, for an opportunity to sing praises to God and spend some time together in fellowship. I want to start today by telling you that I'm excited for two reasons, and the first is because I get to give you homework right at the start of the sermon. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is to give homework. Uh, uh, we've got a group of teenagers uh, who have left this morning at 6 a.m. with Matt Hurley and Brandon Hepburn, uh, and they're piled into a van together, and they're on their way to Denver, Colorado, to go and spend some time with a ministry there called Dry Bones. Uh, they're going to be uh, spending time hiking in the mountains, spending time in the city, uh, and getting to know some of the homeless youth and young adults living on the streets of Denver and serving with them and beside them. And uh, so the homework assignment for you today is uh, on the Welcome Center table uh, in the hallway. Uh, there's a small little note card, and it has the names of all seven teens and the two adults who are on the trip. And I want you to pick that up, take that home with you, put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, somewhere where you'll see it, uh, and spend a little bit of time every day this week uh, praying for the group that's in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and so I, I think I've got enough for everybody to take one. Uh, and so I'm going to check. I'm going to go and count. Uh, I'm giving you homework. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I'm excited to do that today. But the other thing I'm excited about this morning is that we're talking about worship. Uh, we've been in a series called Family Matters where we're talking about some of the practices that uh, we do as a church that uh, most, every church probably does, uh, most of these practices. Uh, and they're things that are foundational to us, things that really help us to grow together uh, in our spiritual walk and to grow as a family of Christ. And so today we're talking about worship. Uh, and I'm excited about worship, although I will tell you up front, uh, I, I do what all of you do when we sing. You know, we've got a great praise team every week uh, who lead us in worship. They know all the notes. But just like you, I just make up the notes as we go along. Uh, and I just kind of sing my own tune. Uh, and I'm glad to have the words, because if without those, it'd be unrecognizable. Uh, but we are talking about worship today. I'm excited uh, to get to do that. Uh, today, I want us to, uh, uh, to, to kind of narrow down, uh, and, then, uh, and then we're going to kind of build out from there. Uh, so I want us to narrow down. We're going to start by giving you uh, a definition of worship. It's not the only one, uh, but it's a, it's a definition. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about worship. Uh, worship is the intentional participation in giving glory to God. Uh, the intentional participation in giving glory to God. And so uh, as we talk about worship, there's so many different ways that we can do this. We've talked about this this morning in Bible class. Katie on did a great job in our Bible class as well as our communion thoughts. Worship is a lifestyle. It's an attitude. It's what we get to do each and every day. Uh, and it's not simply just joining together for an hour on Sunday morning, although it includes that. Uh, and, and so when we gather together for this one hour during worship, what we call worship, we have an opportunity to intentionally participate with one another in giving glory and praise to God. Uh, and so today what I want us to do is I want us to focus, uh, at least for a few minutes, specifically on singing, uh, on the songs that we sing, on, on the words that we get to speak uh, through music together. And these are, are so important, so foundational to, to who we are. Uh, in fact, uh, I would wager that uh, a week from now, uh, you'll remember the songs better that we sang today. You might not remember exactly what we sang, but if we started singing them, you'd be able to sing along. But if I ask you to repeat what I say during my sermon, uh, I'm thinking like less than 1%. Uh, we'll be able to repeat what I say. As much as I might want my sermon to be the most uh, memorable thing from our worship assembly, uh, chances are, if we start singing a song like uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, uh, chances are you're going to remember those words uh, much, much longer than you'll remember anything that I have to say this morning. Uh, and and the, the beauty of, of what we get to do when we sing together, when we worship, when we sing these songs, is that these songs inform our theology and our practice. Uh, they have the opportunity to, to, more than anything I'll ever say, more than anything I'll ever do, uh, the, the way that we sing together, the words that we sing, the songs that we select, these are the things that ground us in who God is, that help us identif identify each other as the family of God. And so when we sing together, we have an opportunity to intentionally participate in giving glory to God. 
Uh, I think I told you before that when I was living in Abilene, still working on my undergraduate and graduate degrees at Abilene Christian, uh, I had a couple of opportunities to go and spend time uh, leading uh, the worship assemblies for the small community churches out kind of in the country. And I would do this every so often. I'd go out to the, uh, to the country, you know, drive 30 minutes to an hour outside of Abilene, and I'd get to preach for these small churches, which was really helpful for me, really formative. Uh, I love getting to do it. They often asked me to lead Bible class first and, and, then, and then preach the service. And the thing that always caught me off guard, because in almost every single church asked me to do this, is they also asked me to lead the singing uh, at their church. Uh, and it, was, it always kind of surprised me, uh, because I know myself, and I know that singing is not one of my talents, it's not one of my gifts. Uh, there's a reason that I'm not up here leading the praise team on Sunday mornings. Uh, but they'd always ask me to do this, and so I, I, I slowly, it took me a while, but I slowly developed a, a practice that I thought, okay, this, this will help me. Uh, I wrote down a list of songs on a note card that I knew, uh, I, okay, I can't sing, but I can at least sing these songs. Uh, they'll at least have some slight understanding of what song I'm trying to sing when I lead them. And in fact, I still have that note card of songs uh, that are kind of my go-tos, and it's written down on a note card in the front of my Bible. Uh, it's songs like Blessed Assurance, uh, Holy, 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 uh, uh, songs like that. It's things that I can turn to in any songbook, and I can say, okay, I can somewhat lead these songs. Uh, but it always caught me off guard. It always surprised me. And, and so I thought I started thinking about this this practice of getting to lead singing for these small community churches. And there was a couple things that I learned about myself as well as about the churches that I was going and spending time with. Uh, and the first thing that I learned was that there is such a thing as a church of Christ that can't sing. Uh, I, I know that that's, that's probably a little bit of a shock to you, but there is such a thing. Uh, and, and I was really grateful to learn that uh, because it took me a little bit of time because I was kind of nervous about leading singing. Uh, but I realized uh, these are the same kinds of people as me. Uh, we get together and we worship together, and whether we can sing or not, we're coming together and we have an opportunity to give praise to God through our song. Uh, you know, up until that point, I wasn't really sure if I had the Church of Christ gene. Uh, I know that some of you are born into it. I wasn't really sure that I had gotten it. Uh, but then I learned, uh, you know, there's such a thing as a Church of Christ that can't sing, so I, I can I can participate in this group in this fellowship. I, I learned something else too. Uh, I learned uh, that whenever I would go to these churches. Uh, and I'd have the opportunity to teach class, to, to preach, to sing. Uh, they were counting on me to help lead them in singing badly. Uh, and, and I mean that intentionally. They were counting on me to help lead them in singing poorly. They didn't care how good it sounded. Uh, they didn't care whether it was professional. They didn't care if I had a nice voice or not. They, they were counting on me to just lead them in worship, to have an opportunity to come before the throne of God and get to sit in God's presence. And we know that God is with us. Uh, God is uh, Emmanuel, so God is with us. God is for us. Uh, but in this moment, when we gather together, we're intentionally setting aside an hour. And when we're saying, it doesn't matter if it sounds good. It doesn't matter if I'm able to sing well. I'm going to come before the presence of God and intentionally participate in giving Him glory. And then the last thing that I learned about this was, was really about myself. Uh, and you've probably already picked up on this. But I was afraid to lead singing. You know, I, I don't particularly like being in the spotlight, although, you know, I get to give a monologue once a week. Uh, but I don't particularly like being in the spotlight, especially things that I'm not good at. Does anybody else, if you're not good at something, do you want people to, like, see that? Uh, I was afraid to lead worship. Uh, and I realized, that after thinking about this for a bit of time, that I actually had the right response uh, to leading worship, although it was for the wrong reason. The reason was because I was self-conscious, I was afraid what people would think of my voice. Uh, but really, I had the right response, which was fear. Because to come before the presence of God, to come before the maker, the creator, is a frightening experience. And yet we know that God is good. 
And so when we come before God and we give God our worship, there's nothing to really be afraid of except to give our reverence and our awe to God. Uh, in, in Scripture, it's interesting that uh, whenever God shows up, whenever a messenger of God shows up, the most common response, uh, there, there's really two. Uh, the first is worship, uh, and, and usually it's, it's some kind of physical uh, manifestation. Somebody uh, bows down to a messenger from God or to God. And the second is fear. Because when you encounter the divine or somebody who's sent from the divine, it can be a frightening experience. And so in worship, we come before God, and whether or not we think we're good at seeing, whether or not we think we know what we're doing, we have an opportunity to spend time with God. I think that's a good thing. I think that even having fear when we come before God is a good thing, because whenever we encounter God through worship, there's actually something very important that happens for each of us. We're reminded of who God is and who we are. And that's a really important thing. And this is one of the reasons why worshiping together regularly, why doing this weekly uh, is so important, why, why gathering together with the, with the spiritual family that we have here in this church, this is why this is so foundational and important. Because every other part of our life, there are so many opportunities for us to have, uh, to have this time where we think we're the ones who really matter. Well, we're the ones who, you know, the world is revolving around us. It's all about who I am and who, who we are. But when we come together in worship, we're reminded of who God is. And who we are. God is the one who deserves our worship, and it's not us. In fact, this has been something that, from the beginning of, of the story, uh, has been a problem. If you think back to the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve are in the garden, they have an opportunity to spend time with God uh, personally. Uh, and, and Adam and Eve, they have this temptation. The temptation is God doesn't really want that for you, does he? God didn't really tell you that it's all about worshiping God and being with God and, and listening to God's instructions. And the temptation is, you can choose your own way, your own path. You can decide what's best for you. As if Adam and Eve could really decide what's the best thing in the world uh, when God is the one who actually created them and actually created the entire world that they're in. And this is the temptation that each and every one of us fall into, is that we begin to think that we're something that we're not. That we can make some kind of decision, we can make some kind of choice, that we have more power and more authority in this world than we really I really like the way that uh, Eugene Peterson talks about this. Eugene Peterson is a prolific author uh, and a pastor, and uh, perhaps many of you uh, read from his uh, message, uh, translation, his paraphrasing of the message. But he has this really insightful way of talking about this, and this is what he says. He says that we have short attention spans. Having been introduced to God, we soon lose interest in God and become preoccupied with ourselves. Our self expands and soul atrophies. God is consigned to the sidelines, conveniently within calling distance to help out in emergencies. Our days are busy with little leisure for thrills because we have work to do, interests to pursue, books to read, letters to write, the telephone to answer, errands to run, children's to raise, investments to tend to, the lawn to mow, food to prepare and to serve, the garbage to take out, and we don't need God's help or counsel in doing any of these things. God is necessary for the big things, most obviously for creation and for salvation, but for the rest. We can, for the most part, take care of ourselves. And Peterson's point, uh, what he goes on to say when, after he gives us this insightful quote, is that this is not what a mature life in Jesus looks like. That, that we often have this mindset that when we come uh, into the experiences that we have, when we have uh, things that we need to take care of in our lives, that this is, most often, this is the thing that we are confronted with. This is the mindset that we're confronted with, that it's all about us. And we really don't need God to do much of this. And his point is, that's not 
what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus. And so we gather together every week and we sing these praises. We sing songs together because we need to be reminded of who God is and of who we aren't. Of course, there's more to worship. Uh, worship is, is very multifaceted. It's, it's a very large topic. Uh, worship, I mean, we said, is an, uh, an attitude. It's an opportunity for us. But one of the other things about worship that I really uh, enjoy and, and, and really think is important for us, especially today, is that worship allows us an opportunity to, to focus, to focus on who God is. Uh, Eugene Pearson's quote works great for this uh, as well, because in so much of our life, we have so much going on. Uh, we've got bills, uh, we've got jobs, we've got families, we've got uh, uh, hobbies, we've got so many different things that are trying to take our attention. Uh, in fact, we even have a little thing in our, in our pockets, most of us. Uh, it's this little screen, uh, and if you let it, you could like use it all day, every day, and just watch it. Uh, and it, it won't do anything for you, it just will waste your time. Uh, but we have this thing that, that allows us to focus on anything uh, but what we really need to be focusing on. And so, worship, when we gather together on a weekly basis for just an hour, it reminds us that we have an opportunity to intentionally set aside time to focus on God. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, I was laughing about this when I was writing this sermon, this very section of this sermon. A friend of mine from college sent me a video, uh, and he said, you need to watch this. And I stopped writing this part of the sermon to watch this, like, four-minute video. And in the end, the video didn't do anything for me. Uh, I didn't, like, go buy something. I just watched it, and I sent him a text back, and I said, thanks for the video. Uh, and it was kind of funny because uh, I took time away from focusing on writing the sermon to watch a video. But when we gather together here, we have an opportunity to push away the distractions. To say, for, for this hour, I'm not going to worry about that, that pressing thing that's going on in my job. I'm not going to worry about that, that text that, that a family member sent me that I need to, to get back to, I need to think about, I need to talk to, to somebody and find out if I can participate in, in a family reunion or whatever it is. For this hour, we're focusing on God. And focus is anything but easy for us. I read an interesting article recently, uh, and it was talking about our ability to focus on things, our ability to spend time uh, intentionally choosing to focus on one thing. And, and there's been a lot of different studies, a lot of different articles written about this idea, and a lot of these studies focus on uh, how long can we pay attention to something. Uh, one of the studies that I saw, that I ran across, uh, you, you might have seen this, says that we don't even have an attention span longer than a goldfish anymore. Uh, they, they said that it's like, it's like less than 10 seconds that we're able to pay attention to something before we're like, okay, I need to find something else to occupy my attention. Uh, and the point of the article is not to say whether that's true or not, which I have no idea. I don't know how long goldfish can pay attention to something. Uh, but the point of the article was to say we are trying to focus on so many different things all at the same time. Our world is becoming increasingly complex. Uh, we have opportunities to, to have conversations with people on, different, uh, on a different side of the world. We have opportunities uh, all around us to pay attention to so many different things. And the point of the article is to say when we spend more time focusing on more and more things, we actually are able to give less attention to the things that truly matter in our lives. And so for this hour, we set aside time, and we say, for this hour, I'm going to start my week by focusing on God. In fact, I really like the idea that, uh, that the week starts, begins with Sunday. Uh, for the early Christians, Sunday, uh, they began to say that Sunday was the first day. Uh, when God created the world, he created and, and uh, Adam and Eve on, on the sixth day, and on the seventh day was Sabbath. Uh, and so for so much of the history of God's people, uh, the seventh day was so important. Uh, but when Jesus came in and was resurrected on Sunday, they began to worship on the first day of the week, on Sunday. And this was so foundational and, and important because uh, the Christians began to say the very first thing that we do 
what we're going to orient our entire lives around is the first thing that we're going to do is to gather together and worship. The first day, right, first thing in the morning, we're going to gather together and worship. It was a statement to say, of all the things that could take our time, of all the things that could occupy our attention, the very first thing that we want to give to God is our focus and our attention. Worship reminds us that we are able to gather together, to slow our minds, and to focus solely on God for just an hour. Now, I want us to widen back out. Uh, I've been talking about uh, when we get together this one hour, uh, when we gather together in worship, uh, when we sing songs, and I want us to kind of broaden our description of of worship back out uh, to a lifestyle, to an entire attitude of how we follow Christ. Because this last point that I want us to consider for today, uh, I think is really important. And it's the one that I want us to spend some time uh, going to Scripture and reading about. Because uh, all Scripture has been leading us to one uh, truth. And the truth is that Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. Kavion said it earlier in Bible class. He said, there are so many things that if you let them, will take your attention and they will take your worship. If you decide that family is the most important thing, it will take your worship. You will be able to worship your family. If you decide that your job is the most important thing, it will take your worship. If you decide, I'm sorry, Jerry, that golf is the most important thing, it will take your worship. But all of Scripture has been building to the point that Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. So if you've got a Bible, uh, feel free to turn over with me to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, and we're going to read uh, the entire chapter together today because it's this beautiful image that John has in his vision uh, of what the world will look like when Jesus comes, uh, of what the world will look like when Jesus is recognized as the one who's worthy of our worship. Uh, and, and so John, uh, this uh, elder of the community, is writing to these churches and he wants them to know what it will look like because they're living in a world where anything but Jesus is really worthy of worship. Uh, the world around them says Jesus is not the person worthy of worship. He writes this letter to them and he says, this is what it would look like if the world were to see that Jesus were truly worthy of our worship. And this is what he says, starting in verse 1. He says, I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one seated on the throne. It had writing on the front and the back, and it was sealed with seven seals. I saw a powerful angel who proclaimed in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or look inside it. So I began to weep and weep, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look inside it. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has emerged victorious so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb, standing as if it had been slain. It had seven horns and seven eyes, which are God's seven spirits, and they're sent out into the whole earth. He came forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each held a harp and a gold bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they took up a new song, saying, You are worthy to to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and by your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will rule on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the sound of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered in the millions, thousands upon thousands. And they said in a loud voice, Worthy is the slaughtered lamb to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, and honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. I heard everything else, everything say, Blessing, honor, glory, and power belong to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever always. And the four living creatures said, Amen. 
And the elders fell down and worshipped. Okay, so I know this passage is from Revelation, uh, but don't let that like, scare you off, because uh, I think the point of the passage is, is extremely clear. Because John has this vision, and he's got this vision of all these different creatures, of all these different people, uh, and but the vision says there's nobody worthy to open these scrolls until the root of David, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. And of course, John's talking about Jesus, and John says in all the earth, in all the heavens, in all the, the sea, and, and, and everywhere, no one's worthy to worship. No one's worthy to open these things except for Jesus. And when Jesus opens these scrolls, everybody busts out into song. Everybody begins to sing praises to God because they have witnessed the one who is truly worthy of their worship. And so uh, John says, everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere begins to sing these songs. They, they bust out into these, these songs because they can't help but worship God in this moment. They can't help but worship because of what Jesus has done. And so they begin to worship people of every tribe, every nation, every language. And people everywhere, everyone can't deny the truth of who Jesus is. And this is one of the reasons why worship is so foundational to us. Because yes, worship will allow us to focus our time and our attention on God. Worship will allow us to, to get rid of distractions in our, in our lives. Worship uh, will help us to have a right response to God. But more than anything else, we begin to see the world the way that it truly is. When Jesus is the only one capable and worthy of our worship, we begin to have eyes to see what God is doing all around us. No one except for the Lamb of God is worthy and the Lamb of God is worthy. Uh, one of the things that I often think about when, I, when it comes to worship, uh, it alone, uh, not, not just how foundational it is, but uh, how it forms us and shapes us. I began by saying that today you're not going to remember the things that I said. You know, a week from now, if I gave you a pop quiz, you're not going to remember what I, what I said, what were the scriptures that I read. But you'll remember songs. You'll remember the theology and the things that, the, the emotions that songs have uh, has anybody else have, ever had the experience of having a song get stuck in their head and you just play it on repeat over and over again? I'm seeing no hands, so this is just me. Uh, okay, there's a few. Okay. Uh, yeah, worship is one of these things. And, and I'm not saying that you know, it's only worship songs that get stuck in your head because, trust me, it's not for me. Uh, in fact, usually when a song gets stuck in my head, I'll start singing it because I've got to get it out. Uh, and from the other room, Rebecca will call out, Jake, stop singing Justin Bieber's Baby, Baby, Oh, uh, or something like that. Because uh, usually it's just like this really catchy song that means nothing that I get stuck in my head. Uh, but one of the opportunities that we have in worship is to have our mind focused. Uh, and, and in fact, replaying over and over again our worship to God. And I hope that's one thing that, that worship does for you. I hope that's one thing that the songs that we sing are able to do for you. That it becomes something that you play over and over again in your mind. And, and not just in your mind, but that your actions and your lives begin to pour forth the worship that you have for God. Because we know that worship isn't just singing. We know that it's not just during this time that we gather together for an hour on Sunday morning. Worship is so much more. It informs so much of our lives. And so today, the, the challenge for us, the, the, the hope that we have, is that we can go from here and spend this week focusing our lives, our attention, our desires, and our wants on the ability that we have to focus God. To focus on God, to worship God, to give glory to God. May we be a people who gather together regularly to remind ourselves that God is God and we aren't. May we be a people that focus our attention and our time on who God is. And may we worship Jesus, who alone can bear the weight of our worship. This morning, if you'd like to spend some time in prayer, our elders and their wives are going to gather around the room. They'd love to pray with you. If you want to know what it means to put Jesus on in baptism and to worship him through that action, I'd love to visit with you.
down front. Would you please join us in song and stand? Up?